0: Kia ora and welcome to this Education Gazette podcast, I'm Jude Barback. Today I'm here at Te Aumarama School in Hamilton to find out what they've been doing to develop their local curriculum as a new school that opened its doors just two and a half years ago. I'm joined here by Principal Tony Gray and Deputy Principal Sally Grills-Thomas. So Tony, perhaps we'll start with you. Could you please talk us through what it's like for a new school to start from scratch with designing its curriculum?
1: Yeah, sure can. Um, I guess the, the beauty of starting a new school is it is exactly that, that blank canvas to to design from scratch. Uh, the challenge is you are designing every little thing, including curriculum, um, but then also the big benefit is you can pretty much do whatever you want. Um, so as a, as a framework, most importantly, we came right back to our vision and our values. Um, big believer in Simon Sinek's Golden Circle model. Um, of what is our why and obviously the curriculum is a big part of the how and then the what in terms of what teaching and learning looks like. Um, most importantly though, we've always felt the golden circle model would be even stronger if there was a fourth circle in the middle, the, the who. So a lot of our work has been around culture um, and in fact one of our mentors is you now culture is strategy and so we hold very firm to our who, who, who are our staff, our kids, um
0: alfano so so touch, just touching on that who i mean what are the needs and priorities of your community here and you're trying you've got them in mind when you're building this curriculum mm. um who who are who's the who
1: yeah great question um in terms of our students um a very diverse um community here uh currently have over thirty nationalities represented um so very diverse um, by Hamilton's terms. Uh, a lot of English is a second language. Uh, a big part of our who, though, of course, is also our Fano, our and then our staff has been a huge focus around appointment. Uh, we've rapidly grown. We've op- we opened on just over 100 and we uh, we will hit 400 shortly. So huge growth and the rapid rate of change around that as well. One of the things that's probably pretty special that we're really proud of here is the relationship we have with mana whenua, right back from the um, establishment phase of our school. So working very closely with Ngāti Wairiri um, around the design of curriculum, the very rich cultural narrative that was written for the school that you see embedded throughout the school in terms of graphic design, buildings, etc. And we really wanted to be very authentic around that and ultimately led to the creation of our school name, so Te Ao which is a pretty special in, in Māoridom, a pretty huge name, uh, literally means the world of light and understanding. Uh, but we've taken a very strong stance there around the design of curriculum, around the importance of te rau
0: Māori, te kanga Māori, uh, te ao Māori. And What does your curriculum here at, at Te Manavan School look like on a day-to-day basis? When we had the time to really look at at the how and, and the what, um, and what was
2: happening in our school, we looked um, far and wide at what other schools were doing and, um, and the latest research and all those sorts of things. What we do have here is a really uh, strong learning through play philosophy. Um, We did lots of work together as a staff before we opened. Um, It also looks quite different with our five-year-olds than it does with our um, children that are in year six. It's a very child-centred approach. The true learning through play is is child-driven. Our teachers do um, their best to respond to not just the needs of the children but their interests and their passions as well so with the learning through play model that's the invitations and the provocations
0: that suit each of the each of the children so how do you know that you're hitting the mark when you say it's a child-centered approach you're meeting the needs of individual learners i mean each learner shows up every day with their own identity aspirations needs what are the signs that what you're doing here is making a difference? Yeah,
2: that's a really good question because those
0: um, sorts of things
2: um, that we're trying to achieve, you know, our values of the school, which are really important to us, and um, the confidence of our learners and um, and their belief in themselves as learners, that's a really hard thing to measure. It's really easy to measure, you know, reading data and, and writing data with um, with those sorts of things. Uh, What we do find is that children are able to articulate um, their learning. Um, Again, that's a journey that that we're all working on, but when you talk to the children, the confidence they have in what they can do and how they know and and where to go for help, those sorts of things. We um, did a student survey last year, towards the end of last year, and the results around their learning their uh, sense of well-being their sense of place in their classroom environment was extremely positive so that was a real win for us
0: how do you use that approach to bring the national curriculum to life so those key competencies and learning areas Mm. how do you bring that to life through what you're doing here at your school
1: so um certainly our key competencies i guess our our school-wide values so they're very common in schools so they're um, the five c's creative uh, curious, community-minded, collaborative, and confident are really common across schools. We were we were happy for, um, to have something similar. Ours was based on community consultation before we opened, and the emergence of those words was massive. And so they became our values. Most importantly, our values for learning um, rather than uh, behavioural, and they sort of underpin our our approach. So our key comps are very much weaved into that. Learning through play then carefully integrates those values for learning with the curriculum. Um, your literacy is weaved in there, your maths. Uh, we've done some wonderful learning stories uh, that are on our website as well that show beautiful photos of kids playing, but then unpacks these are the curriculum objectives here, these are the key competencies. To sort of, we made them initially probably to. Try and educate our parents as to what is all this play-based learning, and of course in our ILE environments too, it's so different from their school. We we thought we would be getting lots of questions and concerns, but really it was a beautiful non-issue. Our, our families love it; they get it, and they understand it.
0: Well, there's some beautiful overlap between Te and the New Zealand mm. curriculum too, in that space. So yeah, there mm. certainly is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We have um,
2: some of our teachers are SE trained as well, so mm. they also bring a, a real mm. richness to what we do.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, our the national curriculum. There are learn, you know learning areas there, and in years um, one to eight, we we need to teach literacy and numeracy as well. With you know the special emphasis there, which we do um, with learning through play. The one of the um, I guess strengths of it is the authentic learning that can happen through that space. So often the the reading, the writing, the maths, the science, the technology is all woven into um, that that play in, in in the classroom spaces. With our older students, that might look a little bit different um, because developmentally they're, they're um, in a different place. More your problem-based um, or, or project-based learning. Um, and so that really authentic learning that happens, you know, in literacy and numeracy and those other learning areas through there. We have sewing machines, we've got 3D printers, we've got robotics, the Lego Mindstorms, all of that kind of creating, tinkering stuff that's there for, for children to to learn with. Um, but those the makerspaces have been um, a great asset mm. in, our, in our spaces to
0: allow lots of exploration mm. for our children. What evidence or signs do you have that, that the tinkering, the makerspace, the robotics is, um, leading into better learning outcomes for your students. I can think of one
2: example just off the
0: top of my head. Um,
2: at the end of um, the year, we have um, a big Christmas tree put up in our um, reception area, and we invite families to come and donate um, for Christmas, and that um, goes to um, I think Women's
1: Refuge. Yeah,
2: so that that stuff goes to the Women's Refuge, and so there's gifts, there's food parcels, you know, all of those sorts of things. And there was a group of students who had been doing some learning, you know, with um, um, sewing machines and things in their spaces. And a couple of the girls had noticed there wasn't many um, presents under the tree. And so they wanted to do something about it. And they looked um, into ways that they could get get more. And they made posters to try and get people to donate more. In the end, they um, decided that they would use the resources that they had. And they had fabrics donated. They made hair scrunchies. Um, they researched. They found um, a pattern. Um, they, you know, through trial and error, they they came up with a really good design. They took orders from the kids and sold them for I don't know three or four dollars each, and then they got into a little production line in um, in the classroom and made these scrunchies and sold them and then with the money they brought more gifts to put under the Mm -hmm. tree and as authentic learning you know you've got your technology you've got your social science you've got your Mm literacy your mathematics all of that you know tied up into that and when you can see children driving their own learning in those really meaningful ways that's that's gold
1: for us. To me, some of those um, gizmos, I suppose, like there's virtual reality there, there's, yeah, the 3D printers. To me, those are just watts. And you know, If I come back to mm-hmm. the Simon Sinek golden circles, those are watts in the outer circle that would make little to no difference if they're not based on some very clear vision and your values and key beliefs around teaching and learning that drive that. But that equipment's going to be in the, in the rubbish skip probably in a few years. So it's not about that. Um, necessarily, but when they are carefully applied to a design around curriculum, absolutely, they make a huge difference and a wonderful context for learning into, you know, curiosity and creativity.
0: I mean, let's let's talk challenges with that. I mean, to arrive at a, a, an effective play based model like you appear to have done is is not easy, I imagine. And what were some of the the barriers or challenges you encountered in developing this? Mm. And how did you overcome those?
2: So one of the challenges is is the how. What does it look like on a on a Monday morning? Um, and yeah, it, it's definitely a journey that that we're working through. Mm. But the um, the teachers who are really passionate about it um, help lead that across the school. And as they grow, so so do the rest of us. And um, yeah, the confidence in having that play in our classroom spaces is definitely there with, our, with a lot of our teachers.
1: Yeah, I guess one challenge that perhaps didn't exist for us is that beauty of the new school so we can be very explicit around what we're doing in that appointment process and have attracted really good people because of that approach. Uh, uh,
0: you mentioned you've had rapid growth from 13 from 40 to 45 in a short space of time. What are the challenges associated with that and how do you ensure that everyone's on the bus?
2: I guess one of the things that we have done on purpose is uh, to not appoint team leaders or curriculum leaders. Um, what the approach that we have taken with that is um, all of our teachers are leaders in, in some way, and uh, they all have strengths and interests and passions. And we have really tried to foster leadership in lots of different areas across the schools.
1: So, in terms of our strategic plan has been moved ahead so quickly because we've got teams of people directly linked, so the unit holder description is straight out of our charter, a strategic sub goal rather than running a team or looking after mm. the pastoral care of maybe a team. Very heavily distributive model. Um, I'm not a great believer in titles. So I don't want to look nor feel like a hierarchy. Mm. Um, and that's something we check in. We do a lot of work around staff culture. We've got a beautiful Nakawa or Fidia Titangata. So Fidia Titangata is our school for Kotoki, where weave the people together. Staff culture to me is is number one. That is the most important thing. If you've got your staff loving coming to work, enjoying what they're doing, genuinely collaborating, by staff I mean every single person, so support team, office, whatever their role is, um, if they are just every possible condition to thrive and enjoying it, they will then in turn look after the needs of our students' wellbeing and achievement. Anticipated challenge was certainly parents' reaction to what we're doing, but I think we're so open and transparent and a big another Separate, but we can talk about later around our curriculum approach around whānau time. So every single day, every morning and every afternoon parents are openly invited to be part of the program in class. Yeah, well and let's I, talk about
0: that now. I mean what okay. what is the Fano? How, how are you engaging mm. your Fano to bring them along this journey with you?
1: Yeah, so Fano time, uh, so every single morning for about the first 20 minutes or so and every single afternoon for about the last 15-20 minutes our whānau are openly invited to be part of our class programme um, during whānau time. Huge focus around the social, emotional um, and well-being health curriculum. So it's it's not just calling the roll and your nuts and bolts, etc. It's, it's more a come-together time. Um, our teachers split off into their whānau groups and it's in circle time, etc. So parents join that and they openly know that many parents are busy working um, and may not be able to join often. Um, But I think just knowing that they can, that openness, that transparency transparency around what we're doing has led to the most incredibly supportive parent culture Mm -hmm. in our school as well. It's just such a beautiful thing. Um, During lockdown and COVID, we really missed our parents. Um, During level two and the kiss and drop type setting, we could not wait to get back to level one to openly have our parents come back in. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And do you mirror that? Um, connection in a, in a digital forum sense, um, just thinking as one of those parents who would struggle to get to the time myself.
1: Um, so we communicate learning in a range of ways, so regular and often little learning stories similar to what ECEs have done very well for years. There'll be photos and videos shared of what students have been doing, often in the play but also then unpacked with different tags related to the type of play, the our values, the curriculum areas.
0: And you mentioned earlier, we're not there yet. Do you have an idea of where there is? (laughs) I mean, where you
2: want to land? I mean, that's a mean question. I think that's a really big question in teaching in general. You're never done, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, look, it's... um, Schools are constantly changing. We've always got new kids arriving. Um, even when we're not a new, inverted commas, we're not a new school um, anymore, we are always going to have new five year olds that are that are turning up. We're going to have that changeover of, of our learners. And schools, you know, we will always have that changeover of staff. Um, one of the things that Tony used to say actually in, um, when we were setting up, we hope to always be a new school. We don't actually ever want to be, oh year we've done that, we've finished that now, um, because um, anybody that's been in education for for very long knows how rapidly it, it can change um, mm. at times. Um, but um, what we want to do here is always focus on the why. The why and the who is, is what drives everything that we do.
0: I guess my, my, my last question really is around next steps and, and how do you hope to continue to evolve what you're doing here. and
2: Yeah, I guess that's one of the challenges of any school is your where to next and because we have that rapid growth all of the time in our strategic plan, one of the goals is planning for that growth. Knowing what our next steps are, we have to continually be responsive to the needs of our kids, the needs of our community, the interests of our staff, um, their passions and strengths that they that they bring here the development of our curriculum will continue to be ongoing Um, and how that looks in in the classroom space, Um, you know, that that curriculum of the classroom, you know, what is happening inside of those spaces and I guess what supports we can give to teachers to really bring that alive in an authentic way.
0: And the longer term picture, Tony?
1: Yeah, for me, um, Sally sort of touched on it as well, the, the biggest challenge that we really have to be strategic about is that rapid rate of change and related to growth. Um, so new builds on the way. Incredibly proud of what we've achieved already. The challenge is to sustain and take that to the next level with so many new people as we go, including community and, and learners as well. Um and then holding firm too. You know, you imagine Mel Gibson and Braveheart the as a little clip, then we've used that gift, hold, um, in the face of those challenges. Really holding firm to to our vision and our and our values and key beliefs around teaching and learning, that we don't sort of drift back to maybe what we've always done and so our staff talk a lot about that around holding your ideas lightly and um yeah, just hold hold firm to that to that culture.
0: Uh, Tony, Sally, it's been an absolute pleasure. I can't wait to have a good look around your school now that I've heard so much about the great stuff that's going on here, the great mahi. Um, so thank you very much for the opportunity to share it with us and the listeners of the Gazette. Thank
1: you. it no, our pleasure.